Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. After having a lot of examination, um, it was discovered that I had infected tooth implants that had been in my mouth for 20 years. That was the beginning of what had really, it finally caught up with me and um, my body was trying to reject them. It was like freaking out that they were in there. Hey there, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive with your host, Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev. And wow, if you did not listen to the most recent episode prior to this, you're probably like, what the heck? Is this their new name? Like, when did this change? We did indeed change the name. And really, it is because of your support with the podcast and the success that we're having with it. We realized, wow, this is helping a lot more people than just the FDN community because we're sharing stories. And of course, we bring in people that are not FDNs, but at this time, we bring in more FDNs than not, that's for sure. And what we realized is not everyone out there is going to know what FDN is or especially FDN Thrive. And so what we needed to do was create a name that allows people to understand what we're doing without ever having known about FDN or FDN Thrive. So what better way, if you're a regular listener, I think you'll agree with this, what better way to really show people what we're doing in a simple title by calling the, than by calling this the Health Detective Podcast? I mean, how accurate is that, right? <laughs> this is totally what we're doing here. We are investigating, we're exploring, we're looking at the hidden stressors going on in the person's body so that they can get better. And they've usually been through many other practitioners, decades, sometimes always years of trying different things, that cycle of trial and error we're uh, always talking about before they get to us. So we are their health detective helping them figure it out. And certainly that is also a similar story for many people in the functional space. And that's why it's just as relevant for the guests that we're going to have on. So nothing's really going to change in terms of the interview style, but just expect more of a focus on that detective aspect, meaning that, hey, we're bringing people on that have health stories either their own or someone else's, and nothing else worked, and then they found the thing. That sounds pretty cool, right? We think so too. Now, I want to start off today uh, with two quick things. One is going to be an excerpt from, really short one, from one of our FDNs. We want to bring on more practitioners' voices to just really show you guys, um, first of all, shout out our practitioners, and two, just show you simply how this philosophy works. So this is Heather Gray. She's back from episode 15, all the way back at episode 15, uh, but it got re-uploaded, so it'll be out of order. I think it shows up as 17 or 18 of the podcast. So if you like what you're about to hear, you can go check her full episode there. Here we go. Hello, my name is Heather Gray. And I work with people who have autoimmune diseases and mental emotional issues. Uh, busy, professional, like-minded people who are feeling stuck and have lost hope. I can be found at www.discoveringhealthfdn.com. Before finding FDN, I was dealing with constipation, gas, chronic widespread pain, brain fog, memory issues, <laughs> mental emotional stuff like anxiety, depression, and suicidal tendencies. After discovering FDN, I learned that I had hidden stressors in the body that nobody else looked for, like parasites, bacteria, food sensitivities, heavy metal toxicity, and detox pathways that weren't working pro properly. 
I believe the FDN philosophy worked for me when nothing else did because they looked at the whole picture instead of just throwing band-aids at symptoms. Okay, thank you so much, Heather. Again, she was on the FDN Thrive podcast as episode number 15. There was something that ended up getting it like deleted. I think it was because I added a sound effect, to be honest, that I probably shouldn't have added because we've never had that issue again, nor have I ever added that sound effect again. So correlation is not causation, but well, if the shoe fits, right? So She's actually number 17, but you can see it. It's pretty obvious. Definitely go check her episode out if you're interested in like Lyme, mental health stuff. Heather's very uh, vulnerable in sharing what she's experienced, and it was a great episode. Now, for today's guest, I had an absolute blast with this. I was like a kid in a candy shop, and we're talking to Renee Bergman. Now, the reason I had so much fun with this is because outside of functional medicine, I have a bunch of other random interests that are completely, I mean, usually at least, unrelated But I'm like obsessed with all these topics. So I love functional medicine. I love business. I love speaking and like studying performance and public speaking in general. Um, I love cryptozoology. And if you don't know what that is, don't look it up. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. And if you do know what it is, well, hey, then you're just as weird, right? And my final special interest is that I love personality theory. So I'm a huge Myers-Briggs nerd. If you haven't heard of that, that's the four-letter personality type. And yes, my friends, if you actually dive in a little deeper than just the classic uh, simple test you take online, there is something to it. There's some fantastic books on the subject. Uh, There's been great studies done too. Uh, One book that we mentioned in the podcast is called The Neuroscience of Personality. And it actually shows how the cognitive functions that are theorized to be used by each of the 16 types in the Myers-Briggs theory really do match up. It's not perfect, but it does seem that certain types use certain parts of the brain more than other types, almost as if they're using the certain functions that Carl Jung actually theorized to have existed. I hope I didn't lose you. Hopefully you are at least interested in in something like that. (laughs) And if not, we're breaking it down to a system that is not, I wouldn't say simpler. Uh, I would call it easier to digest, especially with the way Renee broke it down. She clearly knows her stuff. And it's called the Enneagram. And we spent probably almost the last half of the podcast really diving into why this matters. Like, what does this have to do with being a health detective? What does this have to do with FDN and FDN Thrive? And well, you know what? It turns out that getting healthy is a lot more than just getting some kind of sheet with a diet on it or a list of supplements. You're actually going to have to change as a person. If you think for one second that you're going to deal with health issues for 1, 5, 10, 20 years. Sometimes people are coming to us at FDN Thrive with 20 years of health issues. And all of a sudden, you're going to do one session for 60 minutes and everything's going to be fixed. Come on. I mean, is that really realistic? Do you actually think that makes sense when I say something like that? No, of course not, right? It's not logical to think that that would be what's going to happen. We have to transform as a person. And so that is not to discourage anyone, because some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm not looking to transform as a person. It's actually meant to encourage you, because it's a beautiful thing that every, I mean, without exception, every single person that I have ever worked with when I was taking on clients, people that were going through with FDN Thrive, every single person that has ever gone through an FDN program comes out the other side as a transformed individual, because you can't just go you can't go against the societal norms without changing you know what i mean like this is society is pushing to not be healthy not consciously well 
Well, that's debatable, right? Uh, they're not hopefully doing it consciously or intention, uh, intentionally, but it is happening. And so we're going to really need to shift many things in our life to get away from that. And so that's where the personality theory comes in because it's one tool in the wide array of tools for self-development. And Renee really nailed this one down. So as the title says, though, we did talk about a few more things, especially in the first 20, 30 minutes of the podcast. We're going to be talking about infected teeth, natural chemo, which I didn't even know that that existed. So cool to hear about that and learn about it. Uh, The clinic that she went to for this is called Envita, and they're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Check out the show notes for their website. We're happy to shout those people out. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I just had to aunt pass away uh, not too long ago from cancer, and she certainly did not have those options. So it would have been wonderful if the people that she had gone to had known about that or offered that at their hospital. Check that out for sure, especially if you know someone in your life that needs it. And then finally, of course, like I said, we talked about the Enneagram. I'm going to shut up. It's time for the podcast. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. Hey there, Renee. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah, it's great to be on here. Thank you for having me. All right. I admit I'm a little biased because I am particularly interested in talking to you today. And it's because as I was going through your bio, as the audience just heard, you are someone who focuses on and works with the Enneagram. Now, anyone who knows me for longer than 30 minutes typically cannot go without getting my spiel of MBTI and just personality (laughs) theory in general. I do attach myself to like, I I like to consider myself a little more advanced than the average MBTI people. I'm not talking about 16 personalities. I've dove into the cognitive functions and stuff like I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I think the Enneagram has a long history. I think it has a lot of validity and I've actually had some issues with it myself. So I think we'll have some fun with that just a little bit into the podcast and we can see what the heck that even has to do with health because those types of systems can be so useful for our health journeys and just growing as an individual. But let's focus on the same question that we always do in the beginning of this podcast. And that is, when did your health journey start? Assuming that you had one, I mean, maybe it was a family member, but typically it's usually the people um, on the podcast that have dealt with it. So assuming that's the case, when did that health journey start and what did those um, symptoms look like? Yeah. So um, I agree about all the personality test stuff. I I have a real passion for it as well. So I am excited to dive into that. But um, my health journey started about six years ago. Um, I had struggled with energy and kind of had different weird symptoms off and on for years that I would go see a doctor. They would kind of do the, uh, you don't have anything really particularly out of whack. And so we are just going to send you on your way. And then about six years ago, I woke up one morning and I looked like Quasimodo. My face was gigantic. Um, and you know, now I can look back and laugh about it. And I say that I was chunk from, um, the Goonies and would, you know, yell throughout the house, hey, you guys. (laughs) But my face was swollen beyond recognition. And it started me down a series of seeing doctor after doctor being pulled off medication that I had been on for 10 plus years. Um, And that threw me into a spiral of massive withdrawal. They thought that I had Steven Johnson syndrome and Um, Then I was being diagnosed with early um, onset lymphoma, and I kind of did the bounce around with doctor after doctor, saw an oncologist, saw a rheumatologist, and finally I just took a step back and said to my husband, I really think we need to seek out um, 
a more natural approach. We've always, you know, gone after our health in that way. We've done that with our son that has had a lot of issues. And so um, back in the day, I was a wedding photographer and I shot a wedding of someone who owned a functional medicine clinic that focused on um, cancer and autoimmune disorders in Arizona. And so um, I went back through all my old records and called them and said, hey, I need some help. This is what I have going on. And in that process, um, I flew out and I basically had all of the labs run that we as FDNs are trained to run. So I had a GI map and I had an HTMA and um, I did a Dutch test and um, a bunch of infection uh, markers and all these different things to look at what was going on internally. And um, after having a lot of examination, um, it was discovered that I had infected tooth implants that had been in my mouth for 20 years. And um, that was the beginning of what had really, it finally caught up with me. And um, my body was trying to reject them. It was like freaking out that they were in there. And I had picked up a disease. My husband and I um, are in the nonprofit world in San Francisco, and we work with people that live outside. And we have some of our outside neighbors in our home. And in that process, you know, people that live outside don't have the same hygiene um, opportunities that we do. And so um, because my immune system was really low from having these implants that were um, basically toxic to my system, um, I picked up an infection from one of our outside friends. And that infection just went haywire into all of my lymph system. And um, that's why it looked like I had early onset lymphoma and all of those things. So I began going down the process of essentially what we do as FDNs of um, dealing with my diet really, really um, intentionally. I got really specific, went on an autoimmune paleo um, protocol, um, and then I began doing um, a bunch of um, eradication of different gut bugs that had grown as a result of having these infections. Um, I did do a round of natural chemo because it had gone into my lymph system at the time. Um, but hey, I went, I'm sorry, I gotta, I have to, I almost never jump in. I think I can count the two yeah. times I've done it. What is natural chemo? So it's um, a chelated version of. Um, they would say it starts as vitamin C, but it's actually the same same thing that you would have as chemotherapy in a traditional setting, but they've done all these different modifications to it so that it doesn't attack your system quite as intensely. And they add um, a cocktail of different vitamins and minerals to the process. So as you're killing off, you're also building up. Um, wow. Okay. That is, it was again, I apologize, but that's very cool. Okay. Thank you for uh, sharing that. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. It was really phenomenal. And in that process, they also did a process where they would take blood out and they would oxygenate the blood um, to basically supercharge my own blood and then put it back in me to help my body just be flooded with tons of oxygen so that it could fight what was going on. Um, it was a really incredible process. And I went from pretty much um, bed bound. I could not get out of bed. My hips were so swollen and stuck and my knees were so big and, and stuck that it just hurt to walk anywhere. My face was huge. Um, I had surgery to have the implants removed. 
changed my diet. And within two months, I was running again (laughs) and functioning like a totally normal human being. It was just, it was unbelievable. And even to this day, I know one of the doctors that I was um, seeing that was kind of confused by what was going on. And she still has this like reaction of, I just don't understand how like something like diet and supplementation and killing off things in your gut can make you feel that much better. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm living proof. I was, <laughs> yep. you know, bed bound to um, ready to train for a half marathon again. So that is kind of my journey to figuring out. I, after I had experienced that, what I reflected on is I had been sick for a lot longer than that. You know, I think a lot of us hit our rock bottom and then realize, I don't think I've felt good for a long time based on how amazing I feel now. (laughs) I haven't felt this energy since probably my early 20s and I'm in my 40s now. And so I went on the quest to, I want to go back to school and I searched high and low and I found FDN and I just fell in love. Um, I just inhaled everything I could that FDN put out. I read everything Reed had um, out there and jumped in and um, started the program and finished it within like two and a half months because I just <laughs> loved all of it so much. <laughs> when, all right. When did you graduate? Um, in October. Okay. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll give you that one because I was like, yeah, I, I did that in two and a half months too back when you could. And it's that's pretty hard to do now. They've updated the course quite a bit. So I'll give you props for that one. That's uh, yeah. that's pretty darn impressive. So yeah. inhaling would be the right word then in that case. Yeah. As you I will say I have gone back and really like um, steeped myself in it because I sort of inhaled all of it and went really quickly. And then I was like, okay, I need to digest this a little bit better. And so I started back in <laughs> the beginning and after I, you know, had my graduation and have really, um, dove deep in making sure I have all of it, um, settled into my bones is the, <laughs> the way I like to, to think about it. So. Yeah. And fair enough. I mean, when we finally find something that appears to be our solution, and then it turns out it is, after so long of dealing with stuff, it is hard. Yeah. It's actually amazing, especially because most of us that have dealt with these chronic health issues, we're like low energy. We we have low passion in our lives. Like we feel <laughs> defeated. And then there's just this light and it's like, whoa, let's go. This spark has changed. And, you know, I found FDN at a very young age, like in my very early 20s. And my dad even commented on, he's like, I've just never seen you this was years ago and it's still true to this day. He's like, you found your thing. That's your thing, right? I've never seen you so excited about something or passionate. Um, so it's cool. And you got like a million things to unpack there. I mean, what an interesting story because I already thought with the swollen face thing, I'm like, all right, that's kind of interesting. No one has really come Mm -hmm. on presenting with that yet, but then the infected teeth. And I'm like, wow, like we got like three or four podcasts here that we could probably, um, do not to mention the Enneagram stuff. So, um, I think you will definitely be something, uh, someone that we'd love to have back on in the future. Um, I think I'm going to go the obvious route and by obvious, I just mean something new for the audience and also something I'm highly interested in. It seems like these infected teeth were a pretty large percentage of the overall problem, despite the few other things you mentioned. Would that be accurate or is that incorrect? It was. Yeah. Um, It basically had, you know, it started as a small infection that began to just go throughout my whole system. And so it opened up my gut to be super leaky and be able to take in every possible gut bug you can imagine. I mean, 
my G my original GI map, it's like when I've shown it to people, they're like, this is one of the greatest um, GI maps I've ever seen. <laughs> There's so many things on it now. In, in we all know that that's like kind of a joke saying it's great because it wasn't great. Everything, <laughs> right, was right, great. Right. Everything was in the red. Everything was low that shouldn't be low, you know? And um, basically the teeth had just wreaked havoc on my whole system because I had had them for 20 years. And so I had no idea that I was allergic to the metals. And then as infection got in there, it just um, spread like wildfire. And not to scare people, um, I, I have plenty to learn about this, but I kind of feel like I know what the answer to this is. You know, let's say someone is getting work done on themselves today at the average mm -hmm. dentist. I mean, these problems are not necessarily solved yet in society, are they? Right. They're not. You know, I think what I've really learned, I now, both my kids, my husband and I, we all see a holistic dentist. And um, the approach that I really think is so important is not everybody has the same genetic makeup. And so for me, most people do okay with metal in their body. That is, so what they would use as an implant, it's just a generic um, uh, alloy. And there's like this 0.1% of nickel that gets mixed in there. Well, I'm someone that nickel doesn't do well with. And in small amounts, wearing some earrings that have nickel in it, having a piece of jewelry, probably not that big of a deal. But I've now had this thing implanted into my body. And over time, the concept that something like that just holds up and doesn't ever leach what is inside of it is kind of silly to think that it can just last and last and last, right? And so after it's been in my body for that long, eventually that little bit of nickel that's in there has just started to leach throughout my system. And my body starts having this reaction of how do I get rid of this? How do I kick this out? But it doesn't know how because it's permanent. It's a part of me <laughs> and it can't, it can't get away from it. I can't pull it off, you know? Okay. So, so when you go to a dentist, a holistic dentist, there are other options. There's all these other options and there's these super simple blood tests that they can run to see, do you have a metal allergy? It's like no big deal to have it done. This is okay. So because that was going to be my next question, you know, a holistic or biological dentist, mm -hmm. they are, I mean, you still need the work like that's going to happen, but they can do this in a more intelligent, educated way. Yes, absolutely. So like I still had to have those implants replaced because I had missing teeth. I was born without five permanent teeth. Oh, wow. Okay. Why? I just was. And so I needed those teeth. I needed something there. One of them's in the front. <laughs> so <laughs> I did not have it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so they used like a non-plastic post is what has been used. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. I, okay. So the teeth thing, I, I definitely think genetics is a factor, but certainly anyone that is you know, dealing with chronic health issues or eating yeah. a standard American diet, you know, is definitely more prone um, to dealing with this stuff. Now, I think you and I both would agree, no one's supposed to be not having teeth or having teeth fall out. And so that's always been a scary one for me because as many things as I've been able to resolve in my own health, mm -hmm. I have found the dental side of things to be the toughest, most resistant factor in healing. Yeah. 
and actually getting under control. And, you know, I had my first root canal last year. Now, to be fair, this was from a cavity that was from like six years back. And they told me I'd be lucky if this filling survived one year. So mm. I actually did something right, which is great. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I still do have a root canal now. And it's, it doesn't seem to have caused any problems. I mean, I feel overall fine, but I'm going to start going to a biological dentist actually very yeah. soon. I, I didn't even realize I had a very, in, at least in our space, decently well-known place 30 minutes for me, never even knew. Um, and then another FDN had actually messaged me and she's like, oh, you live there. Do you go to this place? And I'm like, no, she drives from New York to come down here. I'm in like Pennsylvania. So I was like, okay, like I'm missing out on these folks for sure. Um, And, you know, as important as that was, I mean, you also did FDN, you had this infection coming from the work that you did, which by the way, I mean, how cool is that? That can't really go without being noted. I mean, that's just totally admirable, totally amazing. I spent some time out of, well, I already know this because you and I talked beforehand. I know that you're in California and I had spent some time out in California for about four months of my life, which is where I found out of uh, about FDN. And I could not believe the population of people that do not have homes, do not have a place yeah. to sleep at night. And it was just yeah. like, wow. And especially how it's mixed in with yeah. like you're watching this on the street and then you look up and the apartment that you're looking at is $4,000 a month. And you're yeah. like, whoa, this is yeah, as much as a discrepancy, like incomprehensible discrepancy um, in in life. So, um, just bless you for what you guys are doing and helping out. And uh, you know, took one for the team there, getting something yeah. like that. So, just so we're not picking apart just one thing with the yeah. the teeth or the infection or whatever. Like, what would you say was the biggest thing from like a holistic standpoint that helped you? Like, was it the diet? Was it sleep? Like, what really in FDN world? Um, helped you out? Because I know that we tr- uh, address everything non-specifically, right? We're not treating yeah. anything specifically. Yeah. And you know, honestly, that's exactly how they treated me because there wasn't like this, I wasn't given this um, full diagnosis of one thing. And so I would say um, my hormones looked, so I was 34 at the time when this happened and my hormones were presenting as though I was in full-blown menopause. And um I would say that really addressing my sleep deeply, we did a ton of work on getting sleep hygiene, making sure I was sleeping through the night, um, really getting rid of all blue lights in my um, room and setting up a sanctuary because I wasn't sleeping. And we both know lack of sleep might be one of the worst things that people can do to their body. I would actually probably say you you should eat McDonald's. If you're going to do something bad, go eat McDonald's, but get a good night's sleep. Don't actually eat McDonald's because it's disgusting, but Ooh. you know what Ooh. I mean? <laughs> uh, well, I 100% do because when you actually, I mean, oh my goodness, there's our fifth podcast for night. Because <laughs> if you actually study the blue light stuff and the circadian biology stuff, which honestly I have, I've neglected talking about on here to the degree that I should considering I love the topic. Um, but I, I've always said, once I understood it, I'm like, I, I literally use that example of McDonald's. I mean, do yeah. you want to do either not sleep or eat McDonald's? Of course not. But if I could only choose one, yeah. I mean, wh- let's just use logic. What's going to kill you faster, not sleeping or eating McDonald's for every meal? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Like, <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, sleep was definitely one of the number one. And then really um, doing our... Um, uh, like working through my diet and and helping just bring inflammation down. I don't still eat an AIP protocol, you know, but that inflammation, that all over inflammation, 
um, I think that's such a big part of what I experienced. And I think what a lot of um, people experience is that joint pain, that achiness that comes from inflammation that when you really calm, um, feed yourself nourishing, calming foods, it helps to bring that um, over-inflamed feeling down. And that was really big. Absolutely. So I feel like this is my own fault. I've jumped ahead from my normal train of thought here. Not that it really matters, but I want to rewind for just a second because okay. you had talked about finding FDN and when you found it, you know, this was great. You're inhaling it. How did you just out of curiosity find FDN? Was this, I, I don't think that was mentioned specifically. And if it was, I apologize. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I was in process of, I had just been accepted to acupuncture school and I was in the process of starting classes and the pandemic hit. And, you know, San Francisco shut down before anyone else. Um, New York may have beat us by like a couple days um, of full shutdown um, for the pandemic. And when that happened, the school that I was about to attend, like fully shut down and the whole world shut down. And they closed their doors within a matter of like a few months because rent is so high here that there's no way they could really survive without having um, students um, attending. And in that process, I was like, okay, the reason I wanted to go to acupuncture school is because I want to do a functional medicine um, degree afterwards because I, I have such a passion for seeing people from a holistic standpoint. And so I just started Googling and I came across a woman here in San Francisco that was an FDN. And I started reading all about, you know, how she um, deals with clients and what she was doing. And I was like, what is this degree, this FDNP that she has? And that's how I stumbled across Reed and um, all of the things that go with FDN. And I enrolled in school within a week and a half of like finding that lady online. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a, a testimonial to what we're doing here because when someone is pursuing these advanced degrees, whether it's in functional medicine or naturopathic doctor or whatever, mm -hmm. we sometimes have to ask, because there are absolutely times and places for those things, but we have to ask, what am I trying to do after this that is leading me to pursue it? And if you're looking to get results, well, look no further. Welcome mm -hmm. home. I mean, what, what are you pursuing this for? You don't need that because this gets better results than any other system that I know. And I think we continue to prove that. And I never get on here and start like just promoting FDN only and acting like it's so great, but it is great. You know, how many stories do we need to put out until yeah. people realize, wow, what other place can do this with this level of consistency? You know, because it's twice a week and it ain't slowing down. <laughs> yep. um, and these are some of the craziest health stories you've ever heard or mysteries. And yeah, mm -hmm. here we go. Um, so I want to transition a little bit into the Enneagram thing. And I might be doing this a little bit prematurely, but I think we That's have okay. plenty to talk about here. And it's just so cool. So unique to bring onto this podcast. So thank you for um, having that in your bio and just understanding the relevance of that in healing and how this can be useful. So Assuming that so many people will have no idea what we're talking about right now, but they definitely do have that natural human. There, there's such a sexiness about personality typing, isn't there? It's like um, advanced horoscope or something. I mean, we want to know what's my type, what's my type compatibility to my partner. Like we're all so fascinated with it. So I think people will still enjoy it. What is the Enneagram system though, just to keep it basic in the beginning? Yeah. So the Enneagram, Ennea means nine and gram means diagram. So nine diagram. 
and it's a map for personal growth. It identifies nine basic ways of relating to and perceiving the world. So it accurately describes why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways based on your core motivations. So understanding the Enneagram, it has this power to give you more self-awareness, more forgiveness and compassion for yourself and others. And so there's um, a test that you can take where um, you find out which number do you in particular relate to and how does that kind of give you this internal GPS that helps you understand why you react the way that you do and why you have the core motivations that you do. Um, it's a really cool system. It's it's dates all the way back to the 1800s. And it's only in the last probably 10 years that it's even in written form because it's always been encouraged to be given by oral tradition, which I just love that about kind of the system because when you listen to it, it really does help you connect even more to who you are and how you relate to others and gives you this amazing view of why other people don't act the way you do, <laughs> which is so important, right? Sometimes we can be like, why do you do the things that you do that way? Yes. And it's because they have different core motivations and different core fears, desires, weaknesses, longings. It's so true. And it's that's why this stuff is cool because even if it's not perfect, especially like someone like me, I am just known to be overly rational and logical. And people are like, you really doing stuff like that? I'm like, listen, I get that there's a lot of theory behind this. It is not completely invalid by any means. Um, there, I mean, there's a whole book called The Neuroscience of Personality where he, this guy showed studies on college students about how like the brain uh, of different people used certain areas more than like other people based yeah. on their Myers-Briggs type. I'm like, come on, guys. Like there, there's something here. Mm-hmm. Is it perfect? No, but there's something here. And it is useful to have categories so that we know how to better interact with other people. Because I know that if I need to explain something effectively and I actually care about the other person, I can say something different or in a different way to an ISFP mm-hmm. than I can to an INTJ. You know, there, there is differences there. Now, Enneagrams are more number-based. So sticking to that thing, because I don't know nearly as much about it. I've had, I have heard uh, from my understanding, this description of each number seems to be like moving towards something while also simultaneously trying to avoid something. Is that correct? Or is that kind of an incomplete way of putting it? Nope. That's a perfect way of describing it. So numbers one through nine, each one has a kind of a tendency of what they lean towards and then something that they try to avoid. So, um, like I can give you a real quick rundown of what each number is. Number one is a moral perfectionist. So being wrong, bad, evil, or inappropriate is like something that they run away from. But having integrity and being good and balanced and accurate and virtuous, they're going to run towards that. The statement that the number one would say is you are good. Like that's what they want to be told. Now, there's definitely more to it, to each number. But then number two is a supportive advisor. So being rejected or unwanted, being um, thought of as worthless or needy um, or unworthy of love, they're going to just like totally run away from that. But being appreciated and loved and wanted. So type twos are real servants. They want to do all the things for you and how can I 
be a servant for you. You are wanted and loved is what the type two would focus on. And then a type three is a successful achiever. So being exposed or thought of as incompetent or um, inefficient, man, that is just like their worst nightmare. Like they run away from feeling like they're a failure. Um, They want to appear as they are successful all the time. So they have a high status and respect and being admired in being successful and valuable. So their statement would be, you are loved for simply being you. Um, That's something that you want to like encourage them in. And then a type four is the romantic individualist. So being inadequate or emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, um, those things just like rub them like no other. They want to be unique and special and authentic. Um, And so being seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique, like that's kind of their statement. A type five is an investigative thinker. So um, to be invaded or not existing, being thought of as incapable or ignorant or not having higher thoughts about something is like their worst nightmare. So they want to be viewed as being capable and competent. Um, Type fives are real thinkers. Um, And something that they need to hear is that their needs are not a problem because they, they like to do everything through a thinking lens as opposed to like having a need. And then type six is a loyal guardian. So fearing fear itself. So our sixes are our people that kind of keep us safe in the world. Um, they like to have security, guidance, and support. They're sort of the one that's like scanning the horizon and saying, hey, this is out there. Type sixes typically are really political. They want to be like, know how things are going to flow, what's going to happen, and warn people about it. Um, So they really need to know that they are safe and secure. The type seven is an entertaining optimist. So being deprived or trapped in emotional pain or limiting, um, being limited or being bored or missing out on something fun is like their kryptonite. Um, So type sevens are the life of the party. Um, They love being happy and content and fully satisfied by lots of different things in the world. They want one of everything. (laughs) Um, Type eight is a protective challenger. So being weak or powerless or harmed and controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, that's like their kryptonite. They um, protecting yourself and those in your inner circle. So they're like um, type eights tend to be really like a big challenger of things. Like they want to fight. That makes them feel loved to be challenged and to fight you in something. That actually makes them think that you love them and support them, that you want to go up against them. Um, And then nine is a peaceful mediator. So being in conflict and tension is their worst nightmare. They um, lose connection and relationship with others. And they kind of like the feeling of being overlooked is like what they um, really fear. And so having inner stability and peace of mind, they're really seeking peace in all relationships and in harmony in their home and in their life of like, please don't make me have to deal with there being a conflict or discord between people. And so knowing that their presence matters is really important. So I can't believe this is a job. 
Um, like my, I, I like this is just fun. I love getting to do this. I, I shouldn't say this so publicly; they're going to stop paying me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is great. Thank you so much for breaking down those types in such a concise way. Now, if this is not appropriate, I will edit this part out. But okay. would you be willing if I had narrowed myself down throughout the years mm-hmm. to between two types? Would we be willing for a little fun live thing? Yeah. Totally unscripted here, guys. All right, cool. Let's so I, I will help you out here. I do know. Are you familiar with Myers Briggs? I'm assuming because usually you can't be familiar with one without the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am absolutely certain of ENTJ on the Myers Briggs type. That's been professionally typed by a couple people, actually. So I know that that one's true. Now, I do even more confusing is I score high amongst the stereotypes of how the. Uh, I guess I should say how the Enneagram would correlate with that type. Typically, you would see a type three or type eight. And to no surprise, those are the types that I have a huge issue trying to figure out. Um, Mm -hmm. If this helps at all, I feel like when I look at the first 18, 19 years of my life, there was no sense of type three almost at all. But it was after that that the type three, if you will, side seemed to have emerged. So I don't know if that helps. I don't know if you have any questions. Obviously, we won't take forever doing this, folks, but I do think this is really cool. So I appreciate it, Renee. Um, Where can we go from here? (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, threes and eights can uh, really look like each other. Um, It's it's actually pretty pretty common. Um, I'm actually going to bring up some stuff on... This might actually help you um, that when you look, when you think about yourself, what is your core motivation in the way that you want to do things? Like, is it to be someone that feels like you have success in life, that you feel like you've achieved something, even if it's just for yourself? It doesn't necessarily mean that you need others to see you as having achieved. It can be something internally. Or do you feel more like, in general, you kind of have this like desire for control and power um, that like lies underneath. And that's what sort of drives you to do things. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. And this is where I've I've struggled before, but I feel as if, because I absolutely want to move towards success and I'll put myself on the spot here if I'm going to ask these questions, right? I I absolutely want to be seen as successful, but it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, to a degree, I'm I'm trying to always figure out, is that to more of a degree than anyone? I mean, who wants to be seen as incompetent or as a failure, right? Like, is this so strong? I will say, though, my fear of being controlled or manipulated and my moving towards success specifically to have freedom and control over my environment, that I do think is abnormal compared to the average person. Um, And I have a deep fear of being controlled in friendships and being manipulated in relationships. I mean, I do not, I don't trust people. Um, it, I have to work on that a lot. And so I feel like when I look at the three and say, oh, do I want to move towards success? Yes. But it's like, why? It's like, well, of course it's nice to be fe- uh, seen as successful, but I would want that just for the sake of being free. You're not going to tell me when I have to clock in and clock out. Don't tell me what to do. That's what my core is, I think. Okay. So so let me ask you this. This might give us a good thing. Do you lead with a thinking like your head? Do you lead with your heart, like your feelings? Or do you have a guttural like instinct in how you make decisions in life? I would love to believe that I lead with thinking, but I think if I'm being honest, my core comes from feeling the second option. 
Okay. Then you are, you sound like a three. Okay. Interesting. Um, and what's interesting is there's different subtypes of all of the different um, types. And so um, each type kind of has either a self-preservation, a social, or a one-to-one. And so you could actually be a type three that – so like the self-preservation, you kind of try and hide um, your vanity by seeing by being seen as a good role model. You seek to be admired by others by looking um, – by looking and being good without outwardly bragging. So that is kind of one version of a three. Another three is a social, which would be called the prestige. They focus on achieving and looking good and getting their to-do list done. So so pretty like um, uh, kind of mechanical in the way that they do things. So they're But they're pretty prone to vanity. They garner a lot of attention. They seek as much influence as, and admiration as possible. Um, they enjoy the spotlight. They really like to climb social and professional ladders, and they're good at it. Um, the social three is really good. It's just very natural. It's someone that just kind of has always had a lot of favor. And then the one-to-one, this type is more on like um, focused on like physical attractiveness and being a support to others. So a three that's a one-to-one has a little bit more focus on like their family and and having success more in inner circles as opposed to outer. So they create straight, strong bonds with specific people by um, being attractive and generous and kind. Um, they can be a real force of nature, nature and emotionally turbulent. So like kind of lead with emotion and like um, want to be emotionally in control of those around them. I don't know if that helps you at all. Well, this doesn't sound particularly favorable. Are there any good qualities of the the three? <laughs> well, so, you know, I know. I know that the three – so I'm married to a three, so I know a lot about threes. Oh, good, good, good. Thank God. <laughs> and I actually really love threes. Um, you know why threes are so important in the world? They really get stuff done. Like threes are the ones in the world that go, hey, we need to accomplish something in this world. We need to see something be better. We need to see something grow. We need to see something flourish. And so threes, while you kind of read some of this and you're like, oh, gosh, they are seeking, you know, all this favor from people. But really, we need those people. We need those people that we're attracted to to follow. So threes are really followable people. From my experience of kind of what I see, um, what I've seen from you in the FDN world, people naturally want to follow you. That's a natural thing that happens to you. And so I would say that you probably are a version of a three that's like a little bit more social, where people really are are prone to wanting to go after you um, and and be a little bit competitive maybe even with you. Is that Jeez, something? man. Renee just breaks it down and brings you back up. I love it. Um, <laughs> we're totally leaving this in. Totally leaving it in. I love okay. it. Thank you for um, just being willing to go there. I think that's very cool. And to bring this all home, I think anyone in the audience that's listening can already kind of hint at this. But I mean, let's talk about it in a general sense now. Um, I'm done. I'm like blushing over here. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But how can something like this matter in terms of healing? Like, how can we use this for some, you know, no one really comes on here necessarily and talks about this type of stuff. I know this is useful, but I would love to hear from someone who's clearly more well-versed in it. How does this apply to your clients and the people that you work with or people in general? 
Yeah. So first and foremost, I really like people to figure out what their number is to understand um, why they want to get well. Like what's your core motivation? What motivates you for getting well? Is it for yourself? Is it for others? Is it for perception? Is it to feel successful? Is it to feel I'm just tired of, of not feeling good? And so understanding your number gives you this understanding of like that core motivation and where some of that core fear comes from. So like I might have a client that comes to me that types as a six. They might have a lot of fear issues. And so they might have a lot of fear that like they've manifested some of some of the illness that has popped up in their body because they've been fearful of things. You know, we our mind has a lot of power to do that. And so we've got to really get to the bottom of that. Like, what is the core motivating reason that you feel fearful? And how do you kind of um, look at that and see that as something as um, not necessarily a weakness, but as a way that you you move throughout the world? Because it's okay to have fear in life. It's okay to move throughout the world and say, that's a dangerous thing because there are dangerous things out there. But on the flip side, it's super important for them to know the positive aspects of themselves because it helps them to go, this is my path towards healing. So I'm a seven. So I don't like emotionally hard things. I want to run away from hard tasks. I really just want to have fun in life. If I could live on vacation, that would be my my greatest joy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really fun at parties. People love to have me at parties. <laughs> um but you know what? When I got sick, I had to learn that like if I don't if I don't face the emotional hard things that I've dealt with and that have have been life has thrown at me because we all have them, then I'm just going to to bottle up those emotions and guess what's going to happen? My gut is going to be a mess. I'm going to have anxiety that overtakes me and I'm going to feel really out of control. And so if I don't learn how to really acknowledge that and acknowledge that I'm running from hard things, then it's just going to continue to get worse in my body. Um, and so that's kind of the first place that we start. And then we kind of move to like, how do you move throughout the world in relationship with other people and how they view how you should heal and if you should heal? So that helps them to figure out who is your cheering um group of people to walk alongside you as you seek out this healing? Who are the people that aren't going to shoot you down because you're saying, I'm bringing my own meal to everything that we do because right now my body just can't handle certain things? Who are those people and how do you find them and how do you bring them into your fold of being your cheering section? That's something in FDN we talk a lot about, like who's going to support you through this because we need support when we're healing. And so the Enneagram really helps them evaluate, man, who are my people? Who who does build me up and who does accept me for who I am and not just shoot me down um, for some of the weaknesses that I might have and the ways that I, you know, move throughout relationships. So that's kind of some of the ways that we go about it. And then I like to go even deeper, but that's because I'm Enneagram trained and, and I love cool. to do it with clients. So. Oh, cool. So you do have a formal training with this? I do. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, that makes sense because these descriptions have just been so perfect and so well articulated that, I mean, listen, when you're talking about something like personality theory, I am fully confident in my ability to help someone with Jungian analytical psychology and Myers-Briggs 
even not being certified just because of how much I've researched it? Am I going to like bet Uh my life on their type? Of course not. It's stupid. But, you know, I'm willing to use that as a tool. So when someone's taken that even a step further and actually really dove in depth with this, I think that's that's really cool and amazing. And it becomes a legitimate tool that is really powerful um, in terms of getting better. I mean, I know that you've already seriously, like not joking at all, helped me a ton that I have not been able to figure out the differences between those two types. And I feel like I have such an extra level of confidence now with you saying that I've had friends and family take the MBTI test for me and the Enneagram, the Enneagram one, they had the same thing. They could not figure out like some people would have it as three. Some people would have it as eight. I just, I couldn't pin something down. So um, I'm looking back and I'm already thinking, I'm like, wow, well, you know what? I had panic disorder as a kid and terrible anxiety. So of course there was some fear of being out of control. I mean, you feel like you're out of control. Like that could have been a trauma in that sense. And didn't I just say, I mean, my whole life in the childhood sense, that's when I felt more like the type eight. So, I mean, perhaps my getting healthy actually allowed me to become who I really am, which yeah. might've been a type three in this case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say to you, you did get me a little bit because uh, the last thing I'll say about it is that you were talking about like, why sh- are we getting healthy? Like what's the motivation? And I do always joke that one of the things that made me take it so seriously was I realized I couldn't pursue work in the way that I wanted to. Like I'm a nut with work. I love working. Mm-hmm. I love grinding mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it with my health. So I said, I have to get healthy first so that I can go do this. And probably if I'm being honest with that thought process, it was that so I could be quote unquote successful, whatever that means yep. to me. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ooh, calling people out on the yep, podcast. Yep, yep. I love it. <laughs> All yeah. right. So Renee, this is flown by. I love talking to you. I have a few more things that are important to hit on. Um, one is just who, now that you're practicing as an FDN, uh, who is your ideal client? Like what qualities do you love to see in someone when they're coming to you because you're like, wow, I could really help this type of individual, whether that's a uh, personality characteristics or just health issues themselves. Like who's best as a client for you? Yeah, I would say um, a woman who is a mom or later in um, her 30s and 40s that has kind of hit this wall of like, I don't know why I feel so worn out and exhausted and my hormones feel like they have ruled me. Um, That is my ideal client. I tend to work with women. Um, I have some men clients, but um, I think that I really love getting to see women flourish in understanding who they are and how their bodies work and function. Um, Society has done women a huge disservice um, by not teaching us how our hormones function and what our bodies do and how they change throughout time. And so I love teaching women about that and how to really be empowered to heal themselves. Well, if I am a woman with such qualities, where could I find you? Yeah. So my um, business is Megaphone Functional Health, and you can find me online. I have a website, megaphonefunctionalhealth.com. I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active on there. I answer all my DMs personally. And so you can go to Megaphone Functional Health on Instagram and um, go ahead and DM me. Or um, even in my link tree there, you can um, set up a Ask the Expert session and chat it up with me. Cool. I, I I can't ignore that. I saw that in the email. You just brought it up again. I'm like, all right. First of all, it's a very catchy name with the megaphone in it, but I've never heard that in the functional health space. So then that leads to me my uh, to my question of why megaphone? What what does that mean to you? 
because our bodies are megaphones yelling at us that um, they need something. So they're always telling us what they need. And Ooh. we just need to tune in and listen. <laughs> Very cool. That's something that's really going to stick. That's a lot yeah. of people that can come up with names like that. That's not my thing at all. Um, I'm better <laughs> like in person as opposed to behind the scenes with like marketing or whatever. It's just not my thing. But that... I don't think there's any person that's going to listen to this part right now and not remember the megaphone part. Yeah. So very cool. All right. My final question for you, the signature question on the FDN Thrive podcast, which I know is a tough one, but humor us here. Okay. If you had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do something or stop doing something, mm -hmm. what is the one thing you would get them to do? To sleep. To, to learn to sleep well, get things out of their room that distract them from going to sleep. And I would tell them, you need to learn to rest well. And um, that is honoring how your body was designed. It was made to rest so that it can have the energy to do what it um, is made to do during the day. That never gets old, does it? You got someone that we're talking about like infected teeth, natural chemo, Enneagram, personality theory, all these things. And what's your number one tip? Get better sleep. <laughs> Can't stress enough. The basics come first. You can do all this fancy stuff afterwards. In fact, many of the times it is needed to get someone to 100%. But if you want to get those base runs, I'd never make a sports analogy. I mean, I don't watch sports at all. So I, a base run, base hit, whatever. When you, If you want to get on the plate, if you want to get on first base, okay, you gotta do the basics, and that's what's gonna get you most of the way. And then to finally get back to home plate, I believe they call it, that's when you might need some of this more technical and specialty stuff. Renee, thank you so much for coming on. It was wonderful talking to you, and thank you for kind of embarrassing me, yet simultaneously building me up. I, I don't really know which one happened more. I think it was more of the former, but it's okay. I'll take both. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And if you like this show and you like the information we're sharing, we'd ask that you be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, remember, we did just change to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive, so you're going to have to search that. Leave us that five-star review and leave some kind words. If you did that, we'd love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.